Newly stocked on the shelves is box number 512 with your hosts, Aeon and the Lioness, Black Trans Women, and Excellent and Defying All Life Expectations. The show begins now. Welcome to episode seven of Box Number Five Soul Podcast, Grown Black Trans Women Talk. Uh, <laughs> honey, I'm just so happy to be back, Lioness. Woo. I'm happy yes, to hear your uh, voice because I same here, same here. Because I heard that the state of Georgia reopened on Friday, and I was really I feel sorry for the girls in the red states, honey, because it feels like the, the 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 GOP is trying to take the girls out of here, honey. So I'm Girl, happy, I'm happy you're still here with us. I am glad to still be present and, and alive and available in the land because to be honest, these people is losing their mind, girl. There's been so many articles. There's been people like we could drive on the street sometimes and you can pass by a park and it is so many people. It is ridiculous. It's like, so you do realize that even if you want to say fuck social, di- f- fuck being inside, you're still supposed to social distance. So it's right. actually insane to me the amount of people that are congregating just in general, like even in public spaces. Like I, I had the unfortunate chore of having to go and do some emergency shopping um, okay. this week. And we've been keeping it very, very scarce. But I had to go in because a bitch had to get some shit. And right. of course I had all of my gear on and I was fine. But I get in there and not only is there no gear, people have like, not only are they, they are not social distancing. I don't know what it is, but I feel like my people think that it does not, it cannot happen to them. I can't tell you how many elderly were just hanging out in the store not, with empty, bu- empty buggies just so they could be someplace. And I get we're bored, but it's just like, damn, like every place is packed. And that is ridiculous to me. Right. And you know, <laughs> I know I threw shade to the state of Georgia and the GOP, but I really can't talk much because that video came out from that house party in Chicago through by those the, the black people that I'm assuming to be cishet. You know, I'm, I know we shouldn't make assumptions, but girl, read so the room. look like a queer bunch. Right, it didn't, you know, you know, we're we're on Bigo and stuff. We, you know, we're having virtual balls. So when I saw that video, I was like, "Damn, I can't even make fun of y'all now." Bigo, Bigo, Bigo. So explain. So let me tell. Let me say, I was. I am a part of a Bigo family. Shout out the tribe of Ashe. I joined Bigo a month or so ago, and it seems like they play a lot of games. It was around the time of COVID, and I think we were trying to come together and. Um, 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 shout out to Amani, like I said, Amani Fuqua. Um, that's my, my 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 dear sister. But anyway, the I find I was overwhelmed with the platform because I joined with people that were very, very, very into it. And so as I was learning something new, I didn't understand. I don't. I, I'm. It's a learning curve to me to get like what's going on kind of i think london believe it or not <clears throat> excuse me i'm sorry the way she's using it that helped me understand it better that you could use it as a like a way to hold panels and discussions the family that i'm a part of they use it and there's a lot of like it seems like it's a lot of discussion but i think you gotta kind of have but it's not like we're doing a lot of talking it's more of like oh what you about to do what you about to do what you about right. to do you know and so 
I love my, I love it. I want to learn more, but I, you're going to, you're talking so well of it that you're going to force me to delve deeper. So that's not straight to anybody. That's just my own learning curve. I just have to learn like, what is it? Why is it so important that I'm sitting here with nine people watching them do what? <laughs> but like, no, Big Up is very visually intense because it's a lot of stuff going on. But I really only so I go on. It's Big Up for me is very ballroom scene heavy. So it's a lot of girls from ballroom mm-hmm. on there. So there are panel discussions. There are also ballroom um, media personalities interviewing people. So I go on there for that. And as of recently, I really only came up and become interactive. Shout out to my cousin, Courtney Juicy Balenciaga. She hosts um, Shazam games on the Beagle platform. So basically we play Shazam. Basically she plays the music and we have to guess like who the song is, who the artist is, or we have to sing. She'll play it. She'll play a little bit and then we'll have to sing the rest of the lyrics. And it's an elimination style game. So I've been going on there. Yes, I'm T.S. The Biggie Smalls on the Bigo platform. And no shade. I've been with... Do you care? Like, well, I I was going to ask that. So like, I have a name that I am on there as a part of the group that I'm on. Does your name have to be for everything? Is it the same name? Or can you have more than one account? I don't know like if you can have more than one account. I just know I was because br- I think it when you first get on there, it adopts your name from Facebook. But I just mm. changed mine to T.S. Wiggy Smalls because I thought it was a key. And I knew that I knew. Can I explain that to you though? Because girl, I've been meaning to ask that myself and I'm just, just, just what like what what was your psychology behind the name? I don't. I just thought it would be a key key, like T S the Biggie Smalls, like it's the key. And my cousin, and my cousin Courtney, when I first came up, and the girls didn't know who I was, and then I told her, she was like, "Work, bitch, I live for that T S Biggie Smalls." And I like hearing <laughs> the girls, specifically the girls from New York, say it with their accent because they really. Yes, yeah. I get it. Yes, <laughs> but T. okay. T.S. Biggie Smalls has been wearing the girls out on Shazam. You guys know that I'm a music lover, specifically R&B music. I have a very intimate knowledge of many things I don't know if you could beat me, though, sis. I don't know if you could beat me, though. See, that's really why I'm excited about Miss Well, well, I've been beating the girls, and I won 15. So if you win the game, it's $5 a game. So I won fifteen dollars oh. um, this weekend. Did you won that many games? Five, ten, fifteen. I'll bet you won that. Right. And then I won an, an additional fifteen dollars last night. And even if I don't win, <laughs> I typically make it to like the last two battles. So it's like it's three rounds. And like after you eliminate three people, it goes to the second round. And then once you get to the last two, that's the third round. So it's exactly. it's it's a key. It's really been helping me pass the time also i've been able to meet different people and get to know different people because you kind of build camaraderie on a platform or you talk shit or you talk shade but it's all in fun it's not like some of the other bigo platforms where the girls just be reading each other and it's like this thing like do, like why why are you going why is your voice why is this the actor so high why are you going off no, over one. No, say, girl, I would like to follow those people as well. So offline, pass me some of these names of people I should be, <laughs> right. be following. Because, girl, I need to get into queer and community thinking and spaces. So, right. like, 
it's so funny because a large part of, and I think this will segue into like our topic too eventually, but like I, a large part of my social media or identity has been about maintaining a certain image for work. Mm-hmm. And as I'm transitioning to being an entrepreneur and my business ventures and my own nonprofit is starting to do its thing, I'm learning to be that I, I it is okay to be my full queer space online. You know what I mean? Like you posted something mm-hmm. recently and like I debated for like 17 hours on whether or not I wanted to comment on it just strictly off of, I'm like, what? who could be viewing what I'm about to say in a way that would make me feel away? Does that make sense? Right. Um, what what was the um well girl i guess this could be a segue into one of our topics for our just out of the box segment or whatever today you mentioned um so my sister is very very um well i find since she's graduated from law school and i don't know what that's about but my sister is very very online now she's increasing her awareness and and definitely deepening her ideological ideological perspective and sharing it with others about her queerness and how Mm -hmm. it shows up in spaces and how she shows up as a woman there's a certain i admire it brianna i want to say really fast i really admire the fact that you're allowing online right now your the opportunity to really expand yourself there were whole periods where you would have to like shut down your Mm -hmm. social media and being your sister, I always felt a way about that because I was like, your voice is so powerful and you are able to conduct conversations in a way that I feel like our community needs. But I understood the need for you to retain a certain amount of disconnect and sanity from the computer. So right. I respected it. But on the flip side, sis, I am so glad now that you are out and you're putting your perspective out there. And you posted this picture that was pretty provocative. Can you tell us a little bit about this post? So some, one of the trans groups had posted a picture of this trans woman in, in her kitchen, pouring her coffee. And in the picture, she has her hair pulled back in a ponytail. She has on a sports bra and she has on a pair of biker shorts. Well, in Cute the biker pair. Yeah, and a, yeah, a pink pair of biker shorts. Well, in the picture, in the biker shorts, you can visibly see her bulge, which signifies that this is a trans woman that is either non-op or pre-operative and, you know, who's just making a cup of coffee in the kitchen in the morning. So apparently... And it was a pretty pretty prominent bulge. And so, uh, because I want to give people the idea, it wasn't like she was trying to tuck. She was at home in a state of comfort and she was completely untucked. Right. So apparently when the picture was posted or on the original post, there was a lot of um, hate against her for um, having her bulge out, showing her bulge. A lot of in-community hate too. Right. It was, I'm assuming, I didn't go and actually read through the comments. That's something that I've made a habit of like not going to trigger myself, but like we already know what it's going to be. So like, why even put myself in that situation but i decided to share the picture now i'm gonna be honest it was something that i had reservations about uh sharing one i know how that picture and that particular topic polarizes our community one and also i know that particularly on my social media i have a lot of cishet people that follow me um, a lot of people from my legal world 
and mm. the legal world is very conservative and i know i know that if people don't openly say something i know in their mind they feel some type of way um mm-hmm. because they I, I think i feel like a lot of them feel like they've gotten to know me they may or may well they will know that i'm trans just from how i carry myself and my politics and how i present myself but i think some of them are cool with me being trans if I present it in a respectable way. And I knew right. that, that picture, respectability politics. Right. Yes. And I knew that that picture, even though I know that there's nothing salacious about that picture, just the fa- just the fact that 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 picture is visible and they there's a possibility of them having an adverse response to it because of their values or their mores or how they categorize stuff is going to push them over the edge. So I I had slight hesitation about sharing it, but clearly I did. And And so, yes, to that point, my sister did not just share it, but she actually wrote under it quite a declarative statement about how the picture affected you, your, what you were trying to say as far as the picture's message, but you also were very vulnerable about you being non-op. You were very vulnerable to share about how you felt that like our bodies are politicized and it was a very intense post. So I want people to, if you follow Brianna, Brianna Jenkins on Facebook, you will be able to see that she shared this post today, um, 428-2020. So if you just want to go back and check that out, um, she did a really, really, and it, and it provoked a very interesting dialogue. And we wanted to kind of lead with that as one of our topics because this is something in the community that we deal with that is very, 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 very contentious. And like Rihanna said a minute ago, it's something that I think we're all hesitant to share about ourselves because there's a bit of vulnerability because a lot of who we are, a lot of the entire being that we are is getting people to see beyond our genitalia. So a big strategy of survival, one of the first things you learn in becoming trans and going through this process, the first rite of passage for a lot of us was learning to hide our penises. Right. I won't even gonna say male genitalia because women have penis. I think we need to say that and be able to sit in that, that clearly there is enough evidence over the thousands of years period that there are some beings in society that, that choose for whatever reason to live in gender roles opposite of their assigned sex. And to continue to label whole beings by their genitals is problematic. So I don't even want to say male genitalia. I would like to say penis. Oh, but 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 even before now it's coming back to me. The reason why I shared it is because somebody who I'm friends with, who I won't say her name on this platform, and I want her to know that it's no shade. But the reason I shared it is because I saw her share it, and when she shared it, it was. She was reading. I didn't even read what she said. I just saw like saw the throwing up emoji. And because I know her and because I know that she's post-op and because I've heard stuff that she said about trans women who are pre-op and 
men who are attracted to pre-op trans women, like I've heard her say, they're pedophiles, like they're abusers, they're molesters, they're gay, and just that whole rhetoric. I rebuke that, that whole ideology in the right, name of that's that why that's but why right. I I shared it because I wanted not only did I want to share my truth, but I wanted to um, create a dialogue where trans women and trans femmes only trans women, and, and I opened it up to the non-people of color, um, where we could talk about this and have constructed, because I know that there are people on various sides of this issue. I just wanted to put what, where I stood and kind of be something to counter that, because when you when the girl that shared it, and, and she actually commented on my thing, because I um, made a comment, um, she had commented and said, you know, well, what what mental notes are you taking about people that shared it? I'm like, well, so I'm at the point where clearly you feel how you feel and I'm not here to change that. All I'm telling you is that you should be mindful of the things that you say and what you're putting out there because you could be intending to just say something in reference to you, but it could take out somebody else. Exactly. So back to what I was saying about the, the, cause I want to, I want to give, I want to be able to give my opinion too, but I also want to give people some context into why, why this opinion comes up. I want to give them the root of the opinion. So when we are in that moment where we learn to now tuck and hide ourselves, we have to then undergo a process. And the problematic thing is, is that the process that we have had to undergo only rewards one type of identity. So if I'm a trans woman and I have a penis that I, I have a penis and I would like to undergo a process to become more feminine, I have to then go to a doctor and I have to enter into a medical a medical standard called the Harry Benjamin standards of care. And that is so problematic because it only allows, it rewards trans women who have extreme dysphoria and do not want their genitals and would like to have the surgery it rewards them with the label as transsexual and they are then allowed to get, to get hormones and go through a process. Now, the Harry Benjamin Standards of Care existed for a period of time, but we've now evolved to the World Health Standards, the, the WPATH Standards. And on, those are more liberal and they do allow trans women who don't want the surgery to have access to hormones. But what that problematic Harry Benjamin ideology did was it, a, it put in our heads from the very beginning and it also made the world believe that if you did not hate all parts of yourself, that if you do not loathe your genitalia, that you are not a woman. Even though you spiritually, socially, psychologically, even politically align yourself with woman and you've never not done that, you are not a woman if you don't want to have something chopped off between your legs, if you don't want to undergo a surgery. That's dismissing all the people who, for medical reasons, spiritual reasons, physical reasons, cannot get the surgery. So what ends up happening is you have what Brianna was demonstrating with her friend, this dynamic of a trans woman who has had the privilege of being able to, to acquire either the money from herself or the government to get her surgery. Now looking down on the very community that she comes from because we all cannot afford it. Make no mistake, people, this is a game of money. 
this is a medical industrial complex. And it, it starts with a lot of the nonprofits, which is what our topic is about today, our main topic. But particularly in this context, what Brianna's demonstrating is the way in which privilege has now crept into identity. And we are policing how people show up based on how much money you have. Because the bottom line is, if I can't afford surgeries, period, I should still be considered a woman. But the problem is that because these standards of care have now prioritized and made certain groups of people feel entitled and privileged, we now can look down on others. And this is me now speaking from someone that is considered a part of the privileged group in the sense that I have had surgeries and I have had to go through Harry Benjamin's standards of care to get where I am. But now, all of the surgeries that I have don't mean that I've had thus the surgery because I don't necessarily think that we're at a place where that's the best option. Right. But in being transparent, it should not matter. And that's the point that I think my sister did when she put up the post. It should not fucking matter what's between someone's legs because at the end of the day, you would never know if I had the surgery unless I told you because you're not looking in between my fucking legs. And if you are, we have bigger fish to fry, darling. But okay. I but I think it's I think it's even even deeper than that. I think the pro, the Take thing us that, deeper, sis. Take us there, girl. Yeah, I think Walk the us to the altar. I think the the thing that like really concern and it doesn't concern me for myself because I have grappled with that un- that discomfort. And mm-hmm. for me, I've gotten to the place in my dysphoria when just because I disclose this does not mean that it is okay to come to approach me about it and to talk to me about it or to assume this of every trans woman. This is my story and I'm choosing to disclose this. But as somebody that is not operative, that um, does that has a penis, that does not desire to get gender confirmation surgery, I'm okay with being that type of woman. Like I am still a woman spiritually, um, physically, even though my body is queer, like I'm fine with that. I think the thing that makes me uncomfortable and what I see in community that kind of like makes me want to push back is that you have women in our trans women in our community that have bodies just like that girl that have no plans on getting bottom surgery that live their lives as women with penises that looking at something that's a reflection of themselves makes the triggers so many types of emotions makes them feel uncomfortable makes them not want to acknowledge it and in turn they kind of take that out on the community around you but it's just like sis maybe we should like turn inwards and see why is this image making us so uncomfortable why is this making us like i know girls that are not op that when you try to talk about them being trans or talk bitch they break down crying and it's just like sis what like what is the deeper what is the deeper issue and i just don't i get it i get it we fight for privacy like we fight for privacy we have the right to to privacy we have the right to not answer questions that we don't want to answer and we have the right to um live our lives autonomously i get it but we also don't have the right to police other people's rights right and how they choose to exercise them right i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but bitch you are speaking to my spirit go ahead girl no we don't have the right to police other people but i think 
I think even I think even deeper than that, we we should be trying to move to to a place like it's so much fear talk I hear from community when it's like, well, what if they know or what if they find it's so it's so much fear and I get it. But it's like, don't we as a community want to move past like that fear you think is not holding you back in other areas of your life, but it is. It I mean, is. Can I say this though, sis? And yes. maybe this is a dissenting opinion, even. Okay. Um, I think that it is coming from a place of privilege for you to even be able to say that because. You show up in the space, and this is keeping it real because I know there are girls that know you personally and that see how pretty right. you are. You come from a place where you don't, the question is never really asked unless you even introduce that you're trans to the conversation. Mm-hmm. So when, as you're navigating the world, no one's actually wondering if she still has her penis because they don't even think you have a penis. Right. So I, I honestly think that it is for you because you don't have to, because you don't operate under the badge of transness as you navigate. For you, it is freeing and liberating. And it is not a threat or a thing that you should be afraid of because it's not something that you, it's on its face. Right. For, for some of us that are in community and, I, and, 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 I'm, and, I'm, and I'm speaking for, you know, me before I was able to get on hormones, girl. I'm speaking for a lot of girls out there. Like there are when you show up in the world. And people are already taking your womanhood for granted. The very last thing you want them to do in a professional setting, around friends, even your own family, the last thing you want them to do is to think about what's between your legs. Because right. they, already assume, they already are wondering if you a man anyway. The last bit of dignity you have is that they don't know what's between your legs. They can assume, but they don't know. And so I want to advocate for the girls out there that are navigating in the world where the last bit of mystery that they have is what's between their legs. So if you already are able to operate out of a piece of, like you and I, we're able to, it, we, we, we operate with privilege, sis. And we need to sit in that because I want to I wanna contextualize this conversation so we're not talking down to people that can't reach to where we are. Like right. we're self-actualized to a place where we understand that our beauty is, is beautiful no matter, what, no matter our transness. But it's also because, no shade, sis, the world has constantly affirmed that we're beautiful. There's right. no time that we really don't go out looking nice that somebody don't tell us. I've been around you, girl. You're breathtaking, Miss Thing. So let's let's because I want the girl. No, no, no. I I I get it, and I okay. I I acknowledge, and I'm one of them girls that I don't I don't I know that a lot of the things that I've been able to do and a lot of the doors that I've been able to access are because of my past. You know, the level of past. I don't think I'm the most passable, but I know I will pass in privilege and I will beauty. That's privilege. how I feel too. Same. Like we so, know we can get. Yeah. So I know, I know I can get in and, but I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just talking on a level when you at home by yourself and you have, mm-hmm. you have to look, and I'm not talking about the girls that have severe dysphoria. Cause like I also said on the post, dysphoria is a spectrum. I'm talking. It is. Now, do you know what, sis, that was something that was really, that even struck me was cause I was like, 
we have to stop. And that's what the Harry Benjamin Standards of Care did. It made it either you're euphoric or you're not a woman. Yeah, it made it a binary. And we it know and don't get it twisted just because i accept myself as a non-operative trans woman does not mean that i do not still experience some level of gender dysphoria i do like i said i have pairs of privilege but i'm a bigger girl i have a larger i'm taller i have larger hands and larger feet so (coughs) i do experience dysphoria but it's not so severe that I don't identify with the genital, you know, my assignment at birth. It's not that severe. And what I'm saying is we should create a space where we see a picture like that and it's not so triggering that we're having these adverse reactions to the point that we're publicly vilifying and demonizing people that are a part of our community. And I want to say this too, and this is because we, we, we think this is again because I know also there's a population of our community that's trans. So let's have a little sister talk. And for those of you that are listening in, <clears throat> stay with us, but we're going to have a moment. Girl, you're going to have to let them girls breathe, Miss Thing. And right. let, me tell you, let me tell you why. <laughs> because at the end of the day, whether you want to have the surgery or you don't want to have the surgery, this was a trans woman in her house d- allowing herself to be in a position where she's the most comfortable. At the end of the day, whether you like it or not, it's still attached to you, Miss Thing. And what you're gonna wanna do is make sure that she's still in work in order and is, and is healthy, clean, and free of disease, sense, bacteria, and growth. Miss Thing, you have to let her breathe. And trapping her in a gaff or trapping her in a panty all day long, bound up, is gonna lead to all kinds of issues. And, and no shade, gr- girls were acting like she was fully erect, like stroking her meat on the counter. And it was like, so that the fact that the reaction was so extreme when you put into the context, like she was, she it was just a bulge. It was just her, like the fact that that reaction was so extreme to me signifies something deeper. And that's why I just wanted, I knew my position, but I know people have other positions and I'm very respectful of that. And that's why I wanted to curate that conversation because because the girls with sex changes are the ones typically in control because they are the closest to cisness. They dominate a lot of these conversations and no shade, they shut it down. Like they silence them. They silence girls who are not and that's that's how, like so when I saw the throw up emoji, I was like, no ma'am, no ma'am. Because no, it was a direct attack directly at you, you know. Right. And Even though she wasn't coming at me, that's the that's the you know that's just the nature of the game when we're posting stuff on social media, and other people right. can see it. And then and then to the women that are to the trans women that are listening, sis, you also want to get to the place where you are not living in constant 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 self-loathing and i don't want to judge anybody's process and i don't know what that means for each and an individual but i can only speak that for me a part of me being able to affirm myself was getting to the place where i no longer was disgusted at the sight of myself right and i just want to put that golden nugget right. out right say it against us you have to, in order to really, truly, truly get to the place where you love yourself, you have to understand that you have to get to the place where you do no longer operate like you dislike yourself. You cannot look at yourself and hate yourself and, and, and think that that is a long-term healthy strategy for success. This, you have to get to the place where if, even if you still want the surgery, 
you love yourself enough that you don't hate the sight of yourself. Because if you hate the sight of yourself, that is going to radiate out. That is going to affect how you be. How you be. It's going to affect how you show up in the world. And I think that we are a community that needs to learn how to love ourselves. Not as, not for the potential of what we think we're going to be. Not for what I'm going to look like when I get my next surgery. Because that's how we also end up having these crazy surgeries and we can never find ourselves. It's because no one ever told us it's just okay to love yourself enough to look in the mirror for right now and say, I am beautiful and I am wonderfully and fearfully made. And even my flaws, perceived flaws, are beautiful. And I just wanted to put that nugget out there because I know there's some women that, and I am one of them, I am never happy with what I see fully in the mirror. And there's nothing no one can say to me. I know that I am beautiful, but I have this image in the, that I desire to see, that I have yet to see but I have had to learn that I will always be a fragmented, broken person waiting for someone else, some surgeon to complete me and put me together if I don't learn to love myself as I am right now. And that is why the lioness is the bitch she is. And that's why I say I paid the cost to be the boss because I had to divorce myself of a future that is not promised to accept the now that I'm living. And I think, I think we, will, we will revisit this conversation in depth on a later episode because, again, it's just so many ways we could go and it's just so many other um, layers we need to add. Girl, to I guess this is the whole build out. But I, but, build out. Yeah, but I felt <laughs> like I wanted to bring this up because despite what other side people were on i was just happy that we as trans folk trans feminine folk were able to come together and have this conversation and go back and forth and you know respect and i intentionally wanted to curate a respectful conversation i didn't want anybody to feel attacked or feel but i'm just happy that we were able to I was able to facilitate the conversation and it was very, and I'm happy that cis folks respected the rules and stayed out. It's like, it's okay for you to watch, but y'all don't have to, we don't need the question. Like just give us the space to talk this out because we haven't, we really don't have that. Right. Yeah. And before we get off this topic, I just want to give a message to the non-binary trans women out there. Cause we are out there you are valid you are valid and this is more beyond you just being beautiful your body as queer as it may be it is valid it is valid just because you may you have a penis and you're a woman that doesn't mean you're still a woman you're still navigating the world as a woman you still feel that you still you're a woman and that stuff doesn't matter and um, me as a non-operative um, trans woman and for the community that I represent, we deserve to be affirmed as well. And no shade, visual images are so important. Uh, we need to see people that look like us in visual representations. I, remember how you were telling me how I had the, the pictures you sent me of the artist that's drawn the plus size woman with mm-hmm. the men? Like I need, to, for me, I need to see that. Because I'm not no thin white cis woman, and I feel like Imogen, we don't, it doesn't get enough credit. Like on my laptop thing, I had images of big, fat black women, non-binary. I mean, I'm non-binary. I'm not operative. Like 
for me, I visually need to see what I represent reflected back to me. That's how I empower myself. That's how I counter all of the anti-everything messaging. And I think mm-hmm. I think just like the Jane and Mox and Laverne Cox, how they're cropped up, we need the women, the trans women that are happy with what they have and that are showing what we need the T.S. Madison. We need like the visual. Yes. The visual of it. Shout out to T.S. Madison. Yeah, we again. need it. We need it. Yeah. It's not. We it's not just one way. Her. It just doesn't show up one way. So, I'm ha- I'm happy we were able to bring out this conversation. We had other things we want to talk about, but I think we should just uh, get into the main topic for the day. So. <laughs> This topic today is one that, for those of you, if you're not in community, this episode is going to give you a real insight into the fight behind this movement that you see. A lot of you go on and on in your mind, in your spirit, about um, this gay agenda. And you look at sometimes the faces that they thrust forward and you judge them based on them being the physical face you see, and you don't realize that behind them is an entire inner working of something that is a movement that sometimes we don't even have control over. And so today, for those of you who are not in community, you're gonna hear a little bit bit of insider baseball about how the Nonprofit industrial complex uses and affects our community. Now, for those of us who are in community, the topic is basically, girl, we got the job. We did what you asked us to do. You got what you wanted. And you paid it. You threw me to the side. You disparage my name. You use my resources, but you did not give me credit. You somehow found a way to take the sparkle of having a black trans being at the helm or in the leadership, because it's very rare that we're allowed at the table, but when we do, we bring some dynamic shit. And the whole movement now has been born out of our labor And we now have been disinherited from the thing we built. And this episode is to talk about the issues and the systems of oppression and the things that have affected our experiences navigating in nonprofit world. Because it's happening. You hear about this movement, you hear about all of this money, you hear about all of these orgs, you hear about all of these programs, and you see these trans women get in these positions, and you see us on lives talking lofty with these titles, going to conferences, you see us, and you see us moving, and it looks like we are really, really, really making things happen, and that we're really, really being supported, when in actuality, we are props in a lot of times, we are used as, and we are treated in a way that is less than our fullness because people want to get what they want to get out of it. So we're going to unpack this today. And this may take and, more than one episode. Yeah, and I think this topic is important because I feel like it impacts 
black trans woman in a particular way that it, I haven't seen impact other uh, races of trans women. Speak on and that. Speak on. I just feel like the things that we're talking about, I can just go down the list of other black trans women I know that have been through the same thing, not just even in the city where I'm from, Baltimore City, but Chicago, Atlanta, New York, mm-hmm. Dallas. Like this is something that is prevalent to like the black trans woman experience, but because our community is so divided and so fractured, and a lot of times these nonprofit organizations uh, help create those fractures or help make sure those fractures continue to um, happen, we we don't have the opportunity to share space to really discuss uh, the ways that we've been abused, mistreated, exploited by these systems. And what ends up happening is the same cycles perpetuate themselves and it happens over and over and over again. So I, I really feel like it's power. And the lioness and myself, we're not even from the same city, but once we became friends and once we started to talk about our experiences, and I don't even think you knew I worked at an organization, and likewise, I didn't know you worked at one, but when we talked about it, it was like, bitch, like, how is it that we 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 didn't even live in the same city, but we both had similar experiences going through the same system? And that's ex- those experience, and that's and you did a wonderful. What I love about us is actually when I that's why when I held on to that you just talked this a minute ago because bitch, you were walking it right to this point, which is let's talk about those cycles, the experiences. You talked about this dynamic of them like seeing well, us. And- well, even before I get that, I I think we I think it would be beneficial if we give like the story of our time, like how like how like how we got the job clearly we're not going to give names but what the job entailed how we got the job and then how shit start started to go down yeah bitch that's what i was gonna say walk okay walk walk us through the cycle by using your own experience as a a model so like you go ahead and share yours and then i'll share mine okay so so even before i got the job i graduated from morgan state uh with a bachelor's in marketing in May 2011. And at the time, I didn't have any job prospects. I was still working at my college job at CVS, making like um, eight, eight something an hour. Uh, no job prospects. And because of my undergraduate experience, that I really wasn't prepared to get a job or nobody really poured into me. Um, in a way that I would be set up at least after undergrad, but that's a whole nother topic. But making $8 an hour didn't have a job. So like around October, I started hearing rumblings that, oh, this organization, um, they're starting a program for trans women. And coincidentally, my last year of my undergrad, that's when I started really getting involved in trans activism. And that's really when the seeds started to be planted that I, I wanted to be a part of the movement or whatever was going on at that time, like in the early 2010s, 2011. So October came, I heard about the opening for this job. I applied, but even before I applied, it was another black trans woman that ran it. And she had this reputation of, well, 
don't trust her. She steals money from the girls, la, 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 la. But, and I heard stuff about the ED who ran it, who's a black cis woman. But me being who I am and knowing how the girls talk, especially about black trans women who are educated, I was like, yeah, y'all are saying this, but I'm going to go and see for myself because that's just the type of person I am. And I know how community is. So I went, met her, interviewed her, heard about the program. Essentially, the program, the organization received like this multi-million dollar grant to implement uh, this, uh, this like HIV prevention program uh, for Black trans women. And they built the, pro- the org, wanted to build programming so they could implement the grant. So... I was coming in on the ground to be a part of a team to really outreach to the Black trans women community. And just like a little bit of a side note, trying to, especially in the HIV world, trying to engage with the Black trans women community is very hard and difficult. And you will always need somebody from that community to come and work the programs. Because just putting any old body to engage with the trans community, if you don't have somebody from that community, you are probably not going to get the engagement that you could get. But that's also a double-edged sword, which we'll probably get later to in this episode. But interview for the job, got the job, and the fact that I just graduated and I had my college degree and the other trans woman who was my supervisor, she was also college-educated. We, we, it, we had the ingredients for success. And also I was going to be making like $17 an hour. That's the most money Ooh. I had ever made in my life at that time. And, that was cute for back then, girl. Yeah. Right. So like all things were go. So basically I was hired as a health educator and I did the, the basic, um, like H- in creating this programming, hosting groups, HIV testing, the whole nine, and shit was shit was shit was great for like the first couple of months. So I'm gonna stop my story right there, Lioness. Let's talk about the origins of your story and how you got to that that particular job that you were at. So my story, I um. I, I'm just in the interest of time, I'm not going to um, be as, as deep. And also, it's really unfortunate, but this is still a very small community here in Atlanta, in the South, in the Southeast. And I still have to work very closely with a lot of folk. And so I have to be very conscious of how I share my story because I need to mm-hmm. respect the, the, the not, not even that, but respect the innocent. Because I don't want to specifically, because it's easy to piece together where I've worked for the people that been that know me, and right. so I don't want to. And I know I know girls that are working very hard to change the images of places that still are operating. Oh, so your place is still up and running. Correct. So my place, because of other things they were doing, they were eventually shut down before before I left Yikes. to move to Chicago. So. Totally understand. And a lot of the people that I'm talking to, so the nonprofit that I work with has impacted a lot of community. And so there are a lot of girls that are gonna that are listening now that have that have also worked for this organization and maybe feel away. But I also want to respect their legacy by making sure I'm careful on how I share because it it also encompasses so many other people. Right. So 
in going into that, I'll say that I work for um, nonprofits, and my experiences have been that these organizations, when I first came into this world, I was a graduate of Georgia State University, and my but 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 in my senior year, I took a it was a research methods course. And as a part of it, we had to do uh, half of the semester where we met at the class only like once or twice a week to do like book work, but we were mostly at our, um, they assigned us nonprofit organizations to work with, and we were given projects to work with, with different organizations. So I got placed with an HIV AIDS nonprofit because I had a beautiful teacher that knew that it was important for me because I had already transitioned by then. And she was just one of those like secret allies. Like she immediately called, I will never forget. She, um, this, when I first started that semester, that year, my name was in the process of being changed. And so it was still on the roll at school. And I remember she saw, oh, I went up to her. I'm sorry. Sorry. I got to Go, yeah, keep on talking. I just have to turn my phone off. Somebody called me. Go oh, ahead. Okay. okay. Um, I'm trying not to lose my train of thought. Okay. Yes. So um, anyway, this particular teacher was just an ally and she was very helpful. And um, there was, a, I knew from the very first day I met her when she knew to call, not call my full name out in class. She just said the, like, she knew, like, to just respect me enough not to really read me out. And so it was just, we had like a moment. And from then she was kind of a quiet ally. And she never really, we never had the conversation. But when we were, when she, I guess when she was placing us for internships, she wanted to place me at an organization that was trying to develop a trans program. So I was able to do my project for the research part for the class for a separate thing for the semester. But I was introduced to these folk who then hired me on after I graduated and I had an experience with um, that particular nonprofit. Had a wonderful experience with them, but it was short-lived because I was hired by this nonprofit that I had the problems with. Now, this was my first, like Brianna, this was my first truly professional job out of school. Um, this was a situation where I thought I was being told, because when you come in at the beginning of something, you know, you're, you're, everyone has fought, first of all, to make whatever you're trying to be a part of happen. So you have people that showed up to fight. Well, people who are warriors aren't necessarily creators. They aren't necessarily visionaries. Sometimes warriors come up and they're just fighters. And I feel like sometimes we start these things, and that's the root of it too, right? We start these things out of a need and out of a drastic situation, or sometimes even just out of, uh, out of the feeling like the larger community doesn't care about something. So then that births this baby of a nonprofit and to fight this cause. The, the issue with that though is, is that we, they a lot of times will rely on us, black trans women to come in. So I was one, a part of the original crew that came in and helped develop this program that then went on to get funding that then went on to get all this clout i went and began to do things in community that were wonderful beautiful things i was able to train at all levels to people at all levels of society but i 
developed the intellectual content that I delivered. I developed the programming that then went forward and became something beautiful. And I am proud of that. And that has happened more than once to me in community. But the flip side of that is, is that a lot of my girls know where I'm going with this. You get in the job and then they begin to mistreat you because they think they did you a favor by including you in a movement that they built on your back. So then you are a second-class citizen in a nonprofit organization that you helped develop. You are not treated with the same dignity because these all these people, while they were fighting for the cause, they still come with their own biases based on how they were raised, based on their own privilege. And they don't understand what it is to be Black trans in America. And so a lot of times they judge us. The very people they say they were trying to help, they judge us as not qualified. So I'm doing you a favor already, baby. I'm doing you a favor. So even though we are giving our gift, we are giving our talent, we are expending the energy, we are your face. You are marketing on our backs. And then on the flip side, you think you're better than me. That's the part of it. So I was a part of a nonprofit that used and exploited my image, likeness, and intellectual property several times, not just one nonprofit, so I can't even be shady. The reality of it is, it's rampant in our community. That's why we're having it this is. conversation. We're having this conversation, so I can't even put it on one. So I'm going to spread that out because, bitch, it's like that shit is everything. It's everywhere. And the problem is, is that we get exploited because you judge us and you look down on us. And so then as I'm navigating through my career, I had this insecurity in my own skill set because then those same people are saying, well, who else going to hire you? Well, I know you need this job. Well, I'm going to reduce your hours because... You know, we really don't, we really would let you go, but we'll reduce your hours. And the goal was never to pay me the full amount anyway. No. The goal was never to keep me on long term. It was to use you to get the big grant. And then once the money was good, to fire you, to bring in another bitch to pay them half of what they were paying you. Half so or they less. can pocket the money. The game girls. And that speaks to the other part of it, well, Brianna. Well, well, let, 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 it well, let me get back to my story. Let me get it back. <laughs> Girl, and like, I, like I said, I feel empowered to talk about my organization because they were eventually shut down. They are no longer an organization. So, but so when I first came onto the job, it was like a it was like a dream team, bitch. It was a it was a motherfucking dream team. You had you had three black college educated trans women. I was like in my early 20s. I can't remember what exact age. I was early 20s, fresh out of Morgan. Uh, my supervisor, college educated in her mid-30s, grant writer, talented, helped, helped them to secure the grant. Um, another um, trans woman, older, my mentor, Monica there, um, helping to facilitate the groups, had that special talent. And then, bitch, we had a piece of trade there as I can be to get the girls to come into the group that was girlfriendly, knew the community, um, would drive the van, would do this. So, like, had the executive director not been in our way, we really could, like, that, pro like, we really had the tools 
to because now, bitch, y'all was smart for having trade involved. Now, bitch, right. even if they want, bitch, they'll listen, girl. They'll follow him just for the dick, this thing. What I, and then go and go get a whole blessing on the way because they would. But but if right. he offered the services, they wouldn't come, bitch. But just because it's a fine piece, that's sad to say. But a lot of us will go run it. Right, a fine like older piece of trade. You know, yes, had a little had a little checker pass, but. He was weather enough but you know, to girl, where that, that never stops it. <laughs> no, no, he was weather enough to know it was where we knew he wouldn't get caught up in the girls because he knew the game. He knew the ins and outs. Girl, I so, love how you said checker pass. Yeah, that girl, you know I want to put all his seat out the there. All the way on, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but buff yeah. muscles. You know, you the whole think, nine. Look, how do you think he discovered his love for the woman? <laughs> right, but that's that's another topic. Anyway. <laughs> but we had the two and so the first like year was supposed to be like the implementation so we weren't like fully up in the ground but we were trying to implement stuff to make the program successful make the program running so like around spring of the following year that's when all the shit started to hit the fan so like basically in a nutshell like the team as a whole or I at least know from my perspective, it was one of them situations where the executive director, where she hired us because we were trans, but when, once we actually came in and were showing that we were smart, it was like, oh, bitch, y'all are really educated. Y'all are too smart. Y'all are smarter than me. So then, like, where shit started to happen, where she would just, keep switching our schedules and we couldn't do this and we couldn't do that and her and my supervisor were getting into it and bitch it got so bad that she fired the piece of trade and then brought in this other girl from community then she fired my supervisor and so many firings like what what i mean just she 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 was everybody said she was crazy i don't think she was crazy i think this was part of her plan all along she fired my supervisor who brought me in then she fired monica so like by the time summer hit we're still at implementation stage and i'm the only original bitch there and she was just she was just a very erratic and it was one of them situ- situations where I could tell she really didn't like me. And like, no shade, it was a very, like, I was very depressed. I had anxiety because on one end, I have this erratic ED who I'm trying to please, who I know doesn't like me. I'm trying to um, work this program, but then I have the trauma of losing all of the people that I came um, in with. They're gone. So I'm also thinking, bitch when when is my time going to come or how is it going to happen and then on the other end i still have to interface and be a face for community so by the time the summer hit bitch my morale had got down so bad and so low and then how she really turned it is the lady that she brought in to replace well she didn't to replace monica she promoted her and made her the the ed for the program and she's giving the orders but she really doesn't know what she's doing so me and her are getting into it because she's yelling at me and it was it was just a mess it was a mess and so eventually how everything happened is and the way they did it it was just so traumatic and like other girls had went through this it was 
bitch, I never forget the day I got fired from that place. It was like, um, it was April 12, 2012, bitch. Oh, bitch, you're giving the transcript, Miss Thing. Like, okay. no. Okay. Like, it was very, <laughs> like, it was one of them situations. And, like, girl, have never been fired from a job before. Before that, bitch, I was working on, like, for, at, at CVS for, like, three fucking years, bitch, while I was in school. Like, I was the girl in undergrad. I always had a job. So, and you know me. I'm a worker type of bitch. And you know me on a business level. I'm a builder. I'm a builder. And also at that time, that was kind of when I was still like at the tail end of my YouTube stuff. So I had the popularity. So people were coming into the groups or coming to be numbers because they were like, bitch, I saw you on YouTube or I follow you. So that was also going on. But go, going back to when I was fired, bitch, I was fired on on August 12th, 2012, bitch. And like, it wasn't even like, it wasn't even that I was fired, bitch. It was the way that I was fired. Like, and you know that you'll be fired because, like, if you have email access, um, if you have email access, like, all of a sudden, like, your emails will stop working. Like, you can't, you can't receive an email or you can't give an email. And then the lady, the new um, program director, she called me and it was given very much, like, you need to come in and you need to, um, we need to talk. Or so, it was something like that. And I'm like, no, bitch, we can talk on the phone. Because I kind of already know what's going on. But it was like, no, you need to come to talk. So then I came in to talk and to talk with them. Because, um, yeah, she told me, yeah, your email's been turned off. Don't come in, but come in at this time so we can talk. So, bitch... I come in, bitch, do you know what the fuck they fired me for, bitch? <laughs> Wait, are you, do, feel, you feel comfortable? Wait, I don't even know. Y'all, I don't even know what she finna say. Do you feel comfortable sharing that on here? Yeah, bitch, they fired me. A college-educated bitch <laughs> that came to implement a program to benefit the trans community, the community that I'm a part of, they fired me because they accused me of stealing the new the new program director's phone, a Boost Android phone at that. When I had an <laughs> Apple iPhone. Wait, hold on. Can you walk? Wait. Okay. So wait. Let me not cackle, because I want people to know if you have a Boost, I see you, bitch. <laughs> wait. Hold on. That didn't mean that laugh is just purely out of. I can't believe they thought she stole a phone. It's not me laughing at the Boost part. But bitch, Miss Thing, <laughs> wait. So how could they have, wait, because you, you can't just leave that there now, girl. Now, was it, they thought you just like a common pickpocketed this woman's phone? Right, they, th they <laughs> said I stole her phone <laughs> and that. I'm laughing because if you knew this bitch, that she is, there's absolutely no way. <laughs> oh, bitch, they tried you in the most major way. Right. And bitch, and then oh. like, even when she fired me, I could tell she didn't want to do it, but, she, but it was like, bitch, you did it. And the thing that like, like even all of these years later, the thing that like, get... The thing that Sis, I'm laughing because that is the most absurd. No, I have to give it a minute, girl, because I don't want people to think that I'm laughing 
that no it's so absurd to me if you ever had the beauty of being around this lady it is absurd that that grand bitch would be stealing a boost file on the thing it'd be just the audacity of such a thing like girl miss thing oh girl i'm sorry i had to take a moment to finish my key this thing <laughs> no but it was like the shade the shade is and like I said, even though like it happened that long ago, I still get like a little emotional about it. It's like, Miss Thing, y'all wanted to get rid of me that fucking bad that y'all accused me of stealing a fucking phone. And and bitch, it just it it just gets me it just gets me emotional because like Let me ask you this, because I this needs to be asked. Did you steal the phone? <laughs> no, I didn't steal the phone. I used her. I used I used the phone to check a fucking email that I thought was for me. That she gave me the phone to to see to use. Bitch, I have a I. But what the fuck? I want a fucking boost Android phone for. <laughs> oh, but it's I'm like cool. in the grand scheme of things. And then even before I got fired, they just kept on bringing on new bitches to the team. So I already knew the writing was on the wall. But it was just like... Cougar, you, yeah. When they get to the point, when the fact that they even entertain that bitch, yeah. The writing, right. God, God was removing you from a place where they didn't believe in you at all, Miss <laughs> Right. It's like, y'all wanted to get rid... You wanted to get rid of me so bad because I was doing my job. Or at least I was trying to do my job before the point of when all of the people that I was came in with was fired and I was just trying to do the best I could to get through but it was just and she would and her energy was one of those people who, like you're not going to get in you're not going to get because it was very much of you're trans what else can you get like you can't get nothing better than this and the mm-hmm. whole shade about it was this was a black cis woman that was doing this under the guise of I'm creating this program for you. And then when you have trans women that come in who are more than capable of doing a job, it's like you kind of dip them over to make money off of them, but you're not really invested in them growing as leaders or as professionals or even growing away from you. Because after I was fired, but I can't even say I was fired because the bitch got unemployment. So, and you don't get unemployment if you're fired, like, because of something you did. So, after I left, bitch, they, what they, how they, how they turned it is, they replaced, they replaced me with somebody that was coming in, in the group, getting services. (laughs) No, wait, no. That's, I mean, if she had a, if if they felt that she was qualified, then, you know, more power. But I, I guess what I want what I find interesting is okay. So your your narrative just now brought out a few elements that I think are worthy of exploring further. One of them I think is the fact that we there is no belief in our capacity to do the thing that they hired us to do. So then when we began to do it, there's oftentimes a, who the fuck does this bitch think she is? We hired her. We gave her executive director title, but we really meant, we really meant 
secretary and outreach coordinator. We did not mean actually having a fucking opinion about the direction of the organization that we're trying to make her the face of or the program that we're trying to make her the face of. You, she has no right to have a say in how, how the work is done. We just want you to shut the fuck up and do what we say. And the problem is, is that you never really actually wanted anyone because see the reality of it is we're not given these jobs let's be real for those of us that have to start these things a lot of times we go through processes that involve several writing samples and all kinds of first and second and third interviews and shit they're not just handing us this job we're qualified as fuck and we all have to fight to get them but when we get in there they resent the fact that they've hired the intelligent bitch that they brought in we resentful of you. How dare you get in this meeting and ask me a question, bitch? You're a transsexual. I right. brought you here to be beautiful. I brought you here to, to represent. I brought you here to just to shut the fuck up and be seen. And when I'm telling you what the fuck I want, need, or desire to get my job done, I need you to hear me. Because you hired an executive director. Whether you wanted one or not, bitch, you actually, your hiring process was successful. You hired a boss bitch and you're mad that she is one. And that is what I heard in your story, because there's absolutely no way that they honestly believed in who you were as a person and were invested in your future, that they would even entertain something like that without corroborating evidence or anything like that, just so they can say, because the reality of it is, they already see us as thieves. They already see us as liars. You already think that because I'm trans, I come from a background of not knowing nothing about nothing. So then you really, really are hiring me with this expectation that I fail. And then when I do something or you feel a way about me, you what you do, you revert to the lowest common denominator. You do like how the white community does black people. And you look for reasons to let somebody go and you don't invest. And let's be real. I have worked for nonprofits that have asked me to do the extreme in terms of staying up late, extreme in terms of being and doing outreach, the extremes in terms of all of this shit for free labor. But when I ask for simply something as small as the dignity and the right to be able to have an opinion about how we're doing it. You now start labeling me as difficult. Right. You now start labeling me as uppity. Right. You now, you now have cast this narrative in community that I am a problem. And this is the problem. We are so thirsty in community for actual jobs, labor, and support that when we see another girl in that situation, in a lot of cases, it's not, oh, let's rally around, sister. It's, well, bitch. I, I could do it better than her anyway, and that bitch ain't doing it right. And let me help you take my sister down because I want to have the next crack at the job. Or I came after that bitch, and I need to make my place in this community by disparaging the work that she did before me that I stand on the back of. Because there's a lot of bitches that don't know where they came from. Hey, y'all. This is Aeon. This is the Lioness. And you're listening to Box Number 512 Podcast grown black trans women talk and we just wanted to remind you guys while you're listening to subscribe rate comment follow us on social media and share our podcast and we wanted to let you know that we just started a new feature 
grown black trans women talk live on our Facebook and our Instagram live pages. And I'm going to turn it over to the lioness so she can tell you what um, to expect. Yeah, so you can expect hot new exclusive content. You can expect us having conversations about li living, loving, laughing in the pursuit of all of our successes, you'll be hearing us have enlightening conversations with other people. It's our way of connecting with you, our listeners. We want to make it a multimedia experience. And so please follow us on Facebook Live and our Instagram Live for more exclusive content. And now back to box number 512 podcast, Grown Black Trans Women Talk. And it ain't the person that's now telling you that you the fab one girl. It's the girl before you, the one that they read out, the one that they made like she was crazy, that came and did all that work before you got there. It's her that you standing on, bitch. So never forget, it's the community and all the people that have come before you and the things that they went through, good and bad, that inform who you are as a person. Right. It's and how you show up in the space. Because at the end of the day, the, what a lot of girls think is what happens to that girl won't happen to me. Right. She was this, 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 and that. And I'm over here and I'm something completely different. And so they can't, they couldn't, she's less than me because she had a problem. And you don't realize, girl, you're next, girl. And right. guess what? For and the shit. The cycle, there'll always be a new bitch thinking she could, thinking that this nonprofit, you, you, all of us were the problem and that I can do it differently than y'all bitches. And then you end up fired and join the rest of the group, bitch. Right, and the shade is that the bitch that fired me, she ended up getting fired by the same lady like a couple months later. Man, listen. You don't think they've been running that game since the beginning of the time? It's, I can prompt them, I can, I, no shade. And I will say this, a lot of these nonprofits do have a, do a great job in attracting talented women. I'm gonna say that again. These nonprofits actually do a great job in attracting talented women. They just don't intend to keep us to do anything. For real long-term towards the movement. No, 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 that's not the goal. But they do a great job because I will tell you this, the one nonprofit that I'm talking of, I can list at least 10 leaders that I know come through that organization, have given their talents, got nothing out of it, but I'm wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. But they have gone on to be legends in this community. And I could name names, and I'm talking about some real heavy hitters, Miss Thing. We can attract the talent to these nonprofits and these orgs. We just don't know how to sustain the talent and for the girls in the community how can we do this work without cannibalizing one another to get the job and to right. keep the job right and it was girl it was it was just crazy because once i was able to leave i was able to see the like even though these jobs are non-profit or not even non-profit the the medical <laughs> the jobs at these health centers that cater to lgbt populations because it's the same um, systems that are going on in there that are um, exploiting Black trans women. Even though these these are nonprofit, they're still capitalists at its core. So a lot of times they're making their monies off of these grants. So they're writing these grants, trying to appeal to the sensibilities of these funders to get money for trans women. But then once they get the grants, you know, all we ever are are numbers, whether we're a client or whether we're working in the program. We're just a number to get the grant, to sustain the grant, but it's never about, it never gets to a point where we're fixing the problems. We're just trying to exploit the problems and we're not trying to grow and develop the talent 
um, that work that are on the front lines working these programs and that, that's what I experienced I just felt like you know you know too much you're not falling in line so you're expendable and then the other thing is once you get fired from these um programs you have like in my case a black cis woman or some or sometimes it's a white cis gay man other times it's a white trans man who when you try to get a job at another place Bitch, they soil your whole reputation. And you already know how hard it is for us as Black trans women to find sustainable employment. But I personally know of situations where people try to tarnish your reputation so you'll never be able to work again. And like, and yeah. these things really happen. Like and in your case, even though you were, even though, even though for anyone that would know your countenance, your anointing spit makes room for you. So anyone that has been around you and knows your countenance would know that, that such an accusation isn't, wasn't true. The idea that that was just thrown out there against you means that now that's something in that if that, if you weren't the kind of bitch where that was an obvious, oh, that's impossible. That could have been something that would destroy your career. I mean, really? Right. No shade, bitch. That, that experience that made me never want to work in nonprofit again. I'm, I was like, if this is what it is, I don't, and, but on the flip side, it's also what's, what inspired me to make my own organization. Cause I was like, if I'm gonna do this activism thing, I can never work for anybody else ever again because I don't want to be taken advantage of in um, that Carolina, way. Bring your ass back, I'm sorry. <laughs> Ooh, I don't I don't Anna. ever want to be taken advantage of in that way ever 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 again and that's what inspired me to open the Baltimore Trans Alliance where it was for trans people ran by trans people because I know firsthand how a lot of these cis folks like to act like they care about community and act like they're in community but really they're just exploiting us they're just exploiting us for the numbers and for the monies but they're not really invested in us you're lucky if you go to a place and they're invested in you growing, they're invested in you going to a point where you'll be able to leave that organization and go on to do other things. It's like, it's a very, it's very rare that you find that, especially for black trans women. But that, like that experience was so um, traumatizing for me, bitch. No shade. I did have to turn to sex work because I didn't have I didn't have the seventeen. Uh, even though I did get an unemployment, it wasn't enough, bitch. I had a car note. I had rent to pay. I had start signed up for school. I had to go to school. And, and then, I'm gonna say this. Oh, so I'm sorry. Go ahead, sweet. And then when I did get a job, I think I took a job at Walgreens, like making like seven something an hour. Wow. But I was that I desperate to never work in anything trans-related again. I took it. So let me tell you this. And so I actually, so let me tell you about, I had this kind of commitment to the work that I felt like, because let me say this, I had a very strong trans family and my trans family did the work that I did in community. And so part of my rite of passage in working with these older mature women who had founded nonprofits for themselves, part of it was they were working with these orgs. So then it was almost like I didn't know how to do community. I had to learn. It actually, community really helped me, helped me develop a lot of the, the things that I now hold dear today. But I also learned to be very insecure about my skill set because of community. 
And because of that, I was codependent on organizations that told me that I was worthless, but because I couldn't get a job, when it was time for the grant to come back again, we want you to come on as a consultant. We need you to use, we want to, we, we want to offer you the job and actually give you an offer letter, tell you you have the job and never call you back because that has happened to me more than once. We want to find a way to associate ourselves with you and I would always suckle on the tip of the poisonous tree because I didn't know how to separate myself from the cause, wanting to be useful to the movement. So I sort of allowed myself to continuously be around toxic people because now part of it is accountability. I, part of it is, is me not having a Brianna and a Samaya as a possibility model to tell me on how to, how to make myself, how to help community, but also sustain myself. There is this narrative, this toxic narrative in community that if you really down with the cause, you'll do this for free. And if you're really down with the cause, you'll understand that we're just trying to figure shit out. So it's okay for us to mistreat you. It's okay for us to overextend you. It's okay for us to ask you to do things that aren't reasonable because, you know, we're just, we're doing what we got to do. And so then you have a whole community of talented individuals that haven't learned how to properly set professional boundaries. And as a result, they are walking around allowing people to mistreat them. I didn't even know a lot of the laws and things applied to me because I worked in the nonprofit world. So here I am sometimes working eight hours and then that was my, that's all I was getting paid for. But of course we had an event that was after work and then a, a group after that. And so, but I was not getting paid for that stuff and I'm hourly. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so I was, I, I didn't know how to advocate for myself because there was not a possibility model for that. So I want to also like, and I want to invite that now that you know, for those of you who are in community, all the laws and rules apply to you. You have the right, you have the right to get protections in the workplace. You have the right to a respectable time of work. To, you have a right to have reasonable work expectations. You have a right to have things codified and defined. A lot of people were able to take advantage of me because they were like, well, we don't have time to get into that right now. We're just trying to make things happen. And so like, I promise you more will come as we get more systems set up, okay? I know I'm just, you know, but I just need you kind of, you should kind of trust me. And every time I kind of trusted, I kind of got fucked because I was one of those people that was committed to the cause. A lot of us are in this work, not for the money, because let's be transparent. There's more money to be made, a lot of times, even in sex work than working in community. Right. That they're not throwing us millions of dollars. They're oftentimes not even giving us livable wages. So let's not act like these nonprofits are paying us out the wazoo, because they're not. But let's be like, not, and even if they are paying us okay, they're still not paying us what, what somebody in the corporate world would make in our positions. They're not paying us a competitive wage either. And a lot of times oh. we're doing like twice the jobs or even three times the jobs. Times the jobs mm -hmm. or not even the one competitive wage. Because again, you black and trans, how dare you? You should be excited that we invited your black ass in here. Right. That's how it very much feels. But anyway, when we're navigating in the world, a lot of times these nonprofits 
will pick up on our thirst and they will exploit it. And I found that I was a very thirsty woman, thirsty to be relevant, thirsty to want to belong, thirsty because those same nonprofits that are mistreating me are also the only service provider dealing with our community. And they also are the only group in town that provides food and I need to eat because I'm homeless. I've been there. So it is very unfortunate because even after these nonprofits fired me, they were the same place I was getting services. So I could never not be caught in the cycle of being misused. Right. And it was just like, we, and I think we need to discuss, like we need to, as a community, do better about supporting trans women and trans men and trans individuals and particularly the black queer trans folk. We really need to empower ourselves to be able to come together and fight and be more honest and open about our stories to one another so that we can galvanize and actually call out these nonprofits. And there's some interesting, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, and I think that the reason that the cycle has just been able to continue, and that's just one of the things that really disturbs me about this topic is how it just happens so frequently. Like, it's like one girl in, one girl out, one girl in, one girl out. And like the the nonprofits, they really help to create and maintain fissures in our community because we are already, because we're at the bottom of the totem pole, we're already adversarial in nature. So when you when you have girls fighting and competing to have uh, stable employment and to be economically independent, and you're just cycling and going through girls and creating um, distrust among trans women, that really, it creates fractures in community. And when you are the girl that gets that position and you're in community, then you become that girl. You become that, just like how I was talking about how when I got the job, my first um, manager or supervisor, she had that reputation of being that girl. like oh, that's the girl, don't trust her. She just uses the girls for numbers or she's just used it. So it's like a double-edged sword. It's like you, you're damned if you get the job, but you're also, you're, you're damned to be that girl, but then you're damned to have another girl try to come and throw you under the bus to get the same job only to turn around six months to a year later to have the same thing happen to her. And because we're divided, we as a community can't press a lot of these organizations to be accountable for how they treat us, whether we're being serviced or whether we're working there, um, adding value, adding equity to their organizations. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's, it's, and like I said, I was kind of ambivalent about talking about this topic because I'm like, well, I, this is going on almost 10 years since I had that type of job. And I don't even, even though I do legal work and I, you know, trans and black issues are my focus, it's not on a non, like that type of nonprofit level. You know, I, I keep getting phone calls that the same things are continuing to happen, particularly to black trans women that come in educated now more than ever educated, poised, ready to do work, but because of the systems um, in place, we're always the first ones to be thrown under the bus and to lose our jobs. So it just um, blows my mind that even almost 10 years later, these things are still happening, particularly to Black trans women who are qualified and who show up 
um, to do the job. And it's just, it's just very disheartening. But no shade, even though I was making some dollars at Walgreens, bitch, it made me feel so good to have my supervisor tell me, you're doing a great job. No shade. I even got like two promotions within my first three months of being at Walgreens. So even though I went through that traumatic thing of being fired, being made to feel like I wasn't worth being there or I was useless in that arena to go to a simple job like Walgreens in the suburb and to have people praise me for attributes that had nothing to do with me being trans or me working in the trans community, that was helpful for me to realize that, you know, I don't, because a lot of times those jobs make you feel like because you're trans, that's all that you'll ever be able to do. So I appreciate, even though it was a step down, it was everything I needed to humble myself and to open my world up that I could exist outside of this trans bubble um, because of fear and insecurities that I went through while at that um, nonprofit job. And I've been, I've been running ever since. But I also know, and I think it's also important to highlight on the show, even, you know, I'm, from, I'm originally from Maryland, and I have the privilege of coming from the state, a state where there are trans, anti-trans discrimination protections. And I'm girl, fully you, wrap your set, girl. Fully wrap your set. Where in Maryland? Um, Baltimore. I'm from Baltimore, but wow. I know that you, you're in Georgia. Even though you're in Atlanta, you're in the state of Georgia. And just from you and me talking personally, it's a whole, even though we went through the same thing structurally. It's a different world for a trans woman trying to fight for like on the job discrimination in the state of Georgia. True. And so legally here, it's just not the place to be. I'm going to just keep it transparent. What we have done though, in full in particularly in Atlanta, particularly in um, some of the suburbs like East Point and other places, what we have done is carved out these liberal niches where you can get in where you fit in. Now, uh, on a on a deeper level, this is still Georgia. So of course, the people Atlanta's a city that is very a lot of people come from a lot of different places. So you do have the benefit of having a lot of different points of view around you. But on the flip side, you often can sometimes be in a situation where very quickly outside of city limits, you hit Georgia, and it's very difficult here for us as a community to really, really, really bloom in the way we truly want in such a conservative place with the discrimination laws deteriorating by the day. So I want to just take a moment to just thank the people that have the courage to still do this work in Georgia. Thank you to all the nonprofits. Thank you to the leaders. Thank you to the people that are doing the work, that are engaging, that are building. I am a part of that community and I am proud of the work that we do. And I want to say that because this is a very, very unique place to be. And a lot of us know we have targets on our back. We know that by doing this work, it is now makes it more difficult to get jobs outside of this community. Because that's another reality. Being that we, this is a state that has very, very strict laws around certain things and laws that are deteriorating all the time sometimes, even though these cities are liberal places, a lot of times these are the jobs that we have. 
but the people that are coming into the city are driving from all parts of Georgia and they come with their value systems and they come with their biases and they come with their beliefs and they come with their religion. And a lot of that is, I don't feel comfortable. Even if I agree that you shouldn't be killed, even if I agree that you should be able to exist just the same as me, most people, a lot of people in the Bible Belt believe that we are something we are something that is to be discouraged even if they don't want to necessarily see our demise and so it's harder to get jobs and then when you have my last job being this trans program at this nonprofit it make it immediately labels you as one of those and it's very very difficult to get jobs outside of community here and so that is also the cycle that is perpetuated there's the reason why we, we are all still applying for jobs at places that have never shown us to be in our best interest or that promised to and had no strategy for accurately engaging with us for real. So then it failed. And instead of them, instead of them re-engaging community and addressing the concerns that can make the thing prosper, they would rather see it die than actually reach out and actually reach out to the people that they said they did this for. Because again, I think I'm better than you. I'm doing this for you, not with you. Right. And what I want to say is I don't want to say don't get, don't take the job if the opportunity is presented. What I want to say, I just want to give people foresight so they can read the writing on the wall. Exactly. Know that there is a highly likelihood, particularly if you are a Black trans woman, particularly if you are a Black educated trans woman, that comes in, you know, with the skill and the, you know, the wherewithal to do the job, know that there are these other systems at play and they might all collude to try to take you out of there. So if you go get it, and this is my model now, even working in my legal jobs, I'm not, I'm not married to any company that I do not own because I know at the end of the day, if you don't own it, they can get rid of you. My 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 strategy is to go in, get the money, get the coin, get the get the experience and get the skills you need and have a plan B. Like don't don't go in there expecting it to give like a factory job to you. Like go like go in there, you like you go in there, you use them as a stepping stone. You you, you use them, you use them as a stepping stone. Um, to get to where you and that's one thing even during my experience I knew I was not always going to be there at the job and maybe that was part of my problem that my executive director saw that in me that I wasn't that girl that was just hopeless I I know I'm going to be somebody this is just a so you have to kind of have to go in and use it as a stepping stone but know that just because and I had to grow out of this I thought because I was the girl with the college degree that the world was just going to open up for me and it it just was not that that was not the case like you have to get out here you have to work you have to know that these systems that are in place so that when it happens to you it's not a shock or, or you can prepare for it because the truth is they still see us as disposable because you see this happen at so many levels all the all the time. And whether you're in a state that doesn't have any protections or whether you're in a state that does have lots of protections, the, the truth is they still see us as disposable and they would rather have us as clients and as numbers 
then work with us and build with us. And that's just the the ugly truth about the situation. But now that you know the truth, you have other options available to you. What were you going to say, sis? No, no, no. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. You were fine. I, I, I just, this topic is something that I feel like we we really, really, really need to unpack because there's also levels to the predatory way that we even engage with each other in community. And this is just speaking to in general and a, a way we need to handle us. And I feel like it, is, it, it could also be a part of a sisterhood conversation. Right. Like unpacking the ways that our, our strategies of survival affect the way we engage like the things that we've done, our backgrounds, our past, because we don't come as like these, well, you know, these these blank slates. We come with an entire narrative that has been inscribed on our heart and on our spirits. And like all of that informs how we show up in this space. And I feel like I would also like to talk about the way in which we engage one another and the toxic things that we do to each other that can dismantle all of the goodwill of all of us. Um, I have been in situations and I have observed situations where there are um, black trans women who see another woman in a certain position and immediately will target her because they see that there's not much to do in this community. And they come with this hunger to be the leader because that's what they envision for themselves. And since there's not a lot of opportunity and not a lot of funding divided evenly, because there's a lot of money, just not divided evenly. Right. So because it's, it's, it's people getting the lion's share, it's all of us trying to say we reach this population of people, but you're going to give all the money to one nonprofit so that they can do what? Exploit it. Because at the end of the day, we're the same population size. Right. But that's neither here nor there in the situation with with this it's like we need to as a community have a strategy that involves holding each other better than and, and giving each other the the benefit of the doubt even if any and actually like approaching the person that you have an issue with because most of the time it really fucked up the girls will get you fired over some shit that's personal right as if that your personal issue with them has any bearing on the community. And so then when we do that, that makes all of us look silly. It makes all of us look capricious. It makes all of us look, look just on. You, you can't take some, you can't take the community seriously when they don't even take their own leadership seriously. Right. And so it's also respecting the leadership of the people that are actually doing this work and not trying to come in and tear another bitch down. Cause I, I honestly feel like, you know how in a black in the, in, the, in the black community, though we don't speak in monolith, in general, that's something that we talked about. This crab in a barrel syndrome. I feel like it is almost concentrated too in this work because a lot of us have not been affirmed in our regular life. A lot of us have not been ever affirmed by our families and even the people that purport to love us. A lot of us can't even be affirmed by our partners. So then. A lot of the girls, they strive, they come with this need for attention, this need for affirmation, this need for somebody to validate them. And unfortunately, when you have that kind of need and you bring it into a workplace, you have somebody that is, can be a drain and can actually, at all costs, 
they're going to try to get that need met because they're in such a thirst for it. And it's not a, it's not their fault. I'm not saying it's, it's necessarily the community's fault that we are, we are often denied love. But a lot of times people will get in these positions or come to community with this, like, I got to get all the attention. I have to get all of the validation because this is deeper for me. And we're so passionate. And those are the girls that will be crying at every event. This is just so much deeper for me. And it's like, sis, it's deep for all of us. So we wouldn't be here. It is deep. This is deep. And not, that's not to trivialize anyone's emotions, but it is to like, let's, let's also be transparent that a lot of us, need to learn how to be team players right. and a lot of us need to learn how to collaborate and that's what i said right. Sisterhood it's about knowing that there are many positions in the kingdom and all of them are important for the for the for the work to get done but if you are invested in worrying about what i'm doing in my position how then can you focus on yours and then when you get me fired and now and you use stereotypes to get me fired so if you tell the people i stole your booth phone and you get me fired and then now the next girl that fired me, she feeling away only until they do the same to her. You know why? Right. Because the fact that you didn't defend me in that moment, the fact that you didn't tell those people, no, that's not going down like that, is the reason why they were able to do it. And you thought you were going to be immune, but now that you've allowed them to think that way about us, they think that way about you too. Right. Right. Yeah, and we, I think we need to work on believe. It's that communication piece, learning to communicate and talk with each other and getting to learn girls for yourself. Like, I, again, circling back to that first thing, I heard so many things about my supervisor and now getting to know her, she is, she is some tea. She's, she's a special cookie, but she's none of those things, those bad things that other people told me about her to get me to not get to know her. I did, I did it. I wasn't going to, I'm not going to villainize another trans woman until I experienced her for myself and getting to know, and had I would have believed, fell into the hype and, and no shade, they probably did this. They, they probably have said the same thing about me because we tend to do that in community. We like, we say we want girls to get this, all the education and to get their things. But then when girls go out here and get it, we're, it's kind of like we're other. Like, oh, she, she thinks she's that girl and she thinks, and it's like, and my rebut to that is like, sis, I'm not doing anything that no other girl couldn't do. I'm just like in a little better situation because I have stability at home with my family that allows me to go and do all of these things. But in all actuality, I'm not doing anything that any other girl couldn't do or could probably do better than me, quite frankly. But because of how our community is set up, we just, we, we feel like there's only room for one of us to shine at a time. And, I, and this, this, this story or this narrative of Black trans women going to these nonprofits, going to work at these medical places that cater to the LGBT community, it is it's literally been happening for decades where you get skilled and talented trans women and the first second you get to throw them under the bus and bring their girlfriend in to pay them for half the cost they do it and i think the beauty of this podcast is we're able to bring our experiences together and just have that collective um 
kitchen table talk and just to get it out because no shade i've never really talked about the circumstances of why i left that job because for a long time i was ashamed about it i felt like i let the community down for the longest time you know i felt stupid i felt embarrassed about it and to talk to my other community members and to know that I wasn't alone in that, it was so important for us to bring that conversation to this space because we don't know who's going through that right now as we speak. And I really wanna play a part in interrupting those systems and also telling the girls that you just because you're trans, if you don't want to, you don't have to work in those places. I think the beauty of this time is because there are states that there are so many trans women that that are able to go and get jobs and they don't have to navigate in these systems, which I think is the blessings. But for those that still have to, as elders in the community, we just want to, um, we don't want to withhold information. We want to give you guys all the information that you need so you can make informed decisions and you can just be aware of systems that continue to happen. But I guess to end this story off, you there, girl? I'm right here. To end the story off, so after I started, so I eventually I did see my executive director again after I got fired. Also, I think I think it was foul that the executive director, instead of her firing me, she had another black trans woman fire me, which I think is very late. And it's it's the same way how white people use other black people to do their bidding, which you know is really fierce and late. But what ended up happening is about like three or four years later, after the Baltimore Trans Alliance was up and running and um, we were about to have our first march, I got invited to do this radio show about the march and about trans issues. And who was co-hosting the radio show? Mind you, a show dedicated to trans and queer issues, but the executive director from my old nonprofit. And she looked like she saw a ghost when she saw me there. She mm. looked like she saw a ghost. And it was one of them looks like, I didn't ever expect to see you here. And I didn't ever expect you to amount to anything after you left my organization. And it was kind of like a full circle moment for me. Like, yeah, bitch, you fired me, but I, I'm still here and I'm still relevant. And you're having me on your show to talk about a whole movement that I created that you had no part in and that you will never have any part in because this is created by trans people for trans people. And we were talking throughout the thing and she was interjecting on like trans specific questions, answering as if she was a trans woman. And one time throughout the interview, I had to ask, I'm like, are there any more trans people in this conversation? I thought I was the only trans one here. And then if so, why are you interjecting and talking from the point of view of a trans woman talking about, well, we go through, are you trans now, sis? Like, is this, is this what this is about? <laughs> and then I ended up getting in, into it with the host who was a butch queen who, bitch, I'm there on a radio show talking about marching for trans lives because trans women in Baltimore were dropping like flies at the time. And you asking me about the first time I knew I was fucking trans. Why are you asking me that question, bitch? And then at the end of the show, 
this cra- this crazy executive director, God forgive me, I was about to say something else. When we end the show, she says she thanks God for AIDS and HIV. Oh, whatever thinks, he was about to say, girl, she is very bad. <laughs> she thanks God for AIDS and HIV because it allows her to do the work that she does. So in that moment, I knew that I was where I was supposed to be. And I knew that that lady was a nut job. And I I had no I had no reason to be mad or to feel any type of way because God took what? me out I of that environment. I let you know you was with the insane. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so bad that the, <gasps> the the Butch Queen host, the old Butch Queen host who me and him was getting into it, we both looked at her like, excuse me but it just goes to show you the level of crazy that tried to to sit and block my blessing and block what i was trying to do and whole time it's like sis i needed to get away from you so i could really jump start the movement and do what needed to be done and it it happened so i i guess i said that to kind of end that on a key and a positive note but yeah honey read the room read the read the the writing on the wall and if you don't feel value you always you had you had even if they make you feel like you're worthless or you don't have any value you as black trans people have value outside of these organizations and know that they don't bring value to to you you bring value to them and to their organization say that again you as black trans people bring value and prestige to their organization because without you they wouldn't be able to access and exploit the communities in the ways in which they do they need you to so don't ever be made to feel like you are insignificant or you don't play a part you do oh i also want to say this too i want to also say we need to also remember and focus our energy and our love and our light towards black trans founded led organizations exactly there's some wonderful great ones out there um you know i just want to give out just a quick shout out to my sister jasmine tasaki i want to give a shout out to daranisha duncan i want to give a shout out to tony michelle you guys are doing great work these are three women that i know in the southeast that are moving and shaking in their black trans led organizations and i want to make sure that i honor them in this moment because we want to also shed light on the things that are working and the things that are trying to work towards our benefit. And also, I also want to give a shout out to Tilt, Trans Individuals Living Their Truth Incorporated, which is my nonprofit that I am privileged to be the executive director of here in Atlanta, Georgia. There are Black trans-led organizations and they were founded through pain, founded through unique circumstances, but yet still we rise. So I think we're going to end this conversation here. Before we leave, do you want to tell them about the group, the Facebook group? I would love to, darling. So the illustrious Aeon had the the great idea of creating a space because what we're realizing, guys, is we are all about conversation. Right now, you know, of course, you know, we're fledgling, we're building our business and what sustains us because it's definitely not, we're not in it for the money now. (laughs) So what sustains us is the ability to engage and have conversation at a deeper level with our fans. 
And we thought, how can we come up with a way that we can capture these great conversations and, 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 and provide a safe space for our listeners to be able to unpack um, the, uh, the conversation. The group will also be a way for you to be informed about the conversation because as we find articles online, as we see things, we'll be sharing those things to the group. So then like today, we were talking about a few of the topics before we started our main topic. We pulled those things from internet stories. So feel free to follow The Lioness, follow um, Brianna Jenkins on Facebook, and make sure, guys, that you also follow this group. The group will be titled Box Number 512 Podcast Group. Feel free to go in there, give us your talk about any and everything, join the conversation, post. We want to dialogue because that is what we really realize. We're the, the gift that we have is to, to forge, start, and hold conversation. So we will see you guys next Friday with the new with the um, new episode. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, rate um, our show. Also, if you have any questions or listener letters, write into our show. DM us, email us at box number five twelve podcast at gmail um, gmail dot com. Until next time, bye, you guys. Bye, y'all. Love you, Bree. Thank you for, for listening, listening to, to Box Number 512. And don't forget to subscribe and like all of our pages on social media. And don't forget to subscribe so you can see what we'll stock on the shelf next week. Bye.